Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and meet me at verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And the word of the Lord says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Would you read this loudly together with me? Ready? Read. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I just got back. Stacy and I had the distinct honor and privilege of going to a, a minister's conference the, this, these last couple of days. And I want to tell you a little bit about the story, I, I was connected with this minister through a friend back when COVID first started. This particular friend said, man, I think you guys are just a lie. He can, I think you guys should connect. Uh, there's some things that he has got going on in his ministry that I know you want to do. And, and he's, you know, he's a couple of steps ahead of you. And I know mega church pastors and I know pastors that are on the, on the same, you know, level as we are, but I know very few that are about two or three steps ahead. And, um, he said, man, I think he'll be beneficial for you. Well, you guys know this. Anytime somebody wants to introduce you to somebody, you know what I mean? It's like, well, here we go again, right? You want me to meet somebody? It ain't going to work out. We ain't, ain't going to talk and nothing's going to happen. And, uh, so uh, I said, well, give him my number. And lo and behold, the guy texted me and said, man, can we can we chat? I heard some good things about you. And he and I began to uh, chat. Matter of fact, the first time he called, we were on the phone for an hour and just we were saying the same things in terms of what we were believing God for, that sort of thing. And it was a real divine connection. Well, we've been talking ever since, you know, just texting and talking. And and it's, you know, we're in 2022 now and uh, it's been about a couple of years. And he had a couple of conferences that I didn't I didn't go to. You know, I didn't know him. You know, it's in Texas. It's in a little city called Big Spring, Texas. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to Big Spring. And so uh, uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, I don't want to go. But then he, he had this conference in February and the Spirit of the Lord said, I want you to go. I said, OK, well, you know, I want to be where the Lord tells me to go. And I, I mentioned it to Stacey and thank God for a, a wife that's so supportive. She was she don't even you know, she knew I was talking to her, but she don't know them. I said, I want you to go with me. And um, she was like, OK. Okay, I'm gonna go with you. I was good because I was gonna make you go, but that's another story. And so, so uh, we end up going and uh, had a great time, good fellowship, a good conversation. Um, he brought up into the to the group about how I came without knowing him, and he asked me to share a little bit. And I said, "Listen, I had a pocket full of cash. I was ready to get on out of town if necessary. I don't know what happens in these little small towns, but I will get back on the plane and fly back out." And everybody laughed, but it was a good time. Well, on the way back, uh, I'm on the plane. I had planned on watching some Netflix on the plane. You know, we're flying back, and the Lord began to speak to me. And so I didn't watch the Netflix on the way back. I began to write some things down and begin to uh, just remember some of the words that he had given me years ago. And and I started writing them down again. And and he just began to just share some things with me that I believe you need to hear. 
And we're going to talk a little bit about some of these things today. And we just read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Give you a little background. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young man who's pastoring a church during a season of persecution. And we're not talking about persecution like I don't like Christians. We're talking about persecutions like I'm going to kill the Christians. I'm going to humiliate the Christians. And I'm going to eliminate the Christians. And so Paul is pastoring a massive church at this time. And he's a young man. And people in his church are either one getting murdered or another, they're falling away from the faith. And you best believe that there has been a spirit of fear that has gripped, that has gripped the people of God. And I want to submit to you, are you ready for persecution? I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, somebody don't like you. I'm talking about real persecution. And so, and scriptures tell us, hey, there are rewards for people that will uh, leave this earth and not renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. That is called a martyr. Someone that says, I will not renounce. You can cut my head off, but I won't renounce Jesus. And there's a special crown laid up in heaven for that type of exit from the earth. And so Paul says, for God has not given you, understand the environment that they're in. He's not given you a spirit of fear. And so if God has not given you a spirit of fear, then if you have a spirit of fear, then it is something that God has not given you. And more specifically, he says God has not given you the spirit of fear. Uh, now, there is natural fear and there is emotional fear. And in some cases, the, the, that type of fear is a good thing. In some cases, if, if, you know, if somebody comes in here yelling and you get into a posture of them going to fight, that's a good thing. Uh, if somebody, if somebody's messing with your family and you get in the posture like you're not going to mess with my family, that's a good thing. If somebody is, is yelling, I remember this was a long time ago, but I remember being in spots, clubs I wasn't supposed to be in a long time ago. And somebody got to yelling, I heard a gunshot. Well, you know what I did? I took off running. Okay. So that's, that, that's a good thing. Instead of, now, I, I know in, in, in these spots, you know, I used to go to all black spots and I would go to all white spots. And sometimes in all black spots, you heard something like that. Everybody just take off run. You go to an all white spot. The white people be like, what? Now, what is going on back there? Let me go check out. Did you hear gunshots? No, you better get the running out of there. Black, white, indif- get out of there. Praise the Lord. Well, so sometimes in some cases that emotional fear is a good thing because it it causes you to fight or flight. And that's not a bad thing. But if you continue to relax in an emotional set of fear, it can become a stronghold and, and a spirit will jump on that. And when a spirit of fear jumps on it, then you become to this place where you are paralyzed, you're handicapped, you can't move forward, you can't leave your house, you can't do any type of things because fear has just gripped you and caused you not to move. But Paul tells Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if you are dealing with contending with a spirit of fear, then it should be resisted with everything you've got. It should be something that you don't put up with. It should be something that you don't relax in your life. Matter of fact, fear is not a part of your reborn spirit. Fear is not a part of that reborn spirit. And so if you are contending with it, it is because someone else gave it to you and it wasn't God. It was the enemy. And everything you have, everything you're struggling with, everything you're contending with, uh, it has not been given to you by God. Could it be 
that because of your decisions and because of decisions that have been made for you, in some situations, decisions have been made for people. My wife and I were talking about people that are born in certain areas of the, of the world or even the country and or having parents that are just uh, horrific parents. These decisions and the way they think, they, th- that was just, it was inbred on the, in, on the inside of him, of them. And that's why we have to preach the word of God to get it out of them. But it may be unfair for that to be the case, but that's why we do what we do. Glory to God. We minister Jesus because Jesus will set them free. But I digress. Everything that you have has not been given to you by God. He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. Matter of fact, Proverbs 19.3 in one translation says, people ruin their lives by their own decisions, then they blame God for it. And that's not the case. Uh, God, if you're dealing with something, well, God has given me this. No, no, that may not be the case because everything you're dealing with has not been given to you by God. And so Paul tells Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He says, but of power, somebody shout power. power. Of love, shout love. love. And a sound mind shall sound mind. So God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit that has power, a spirit that possesses love, and the spirit of a sound mind. And so as we think about this fear and we are in this world, we're not of it, we're not in it, and our fear is running rampant. Every time you turn your TV on, it will introduce fear to you. Every time you listen to uh, any radio, they're going to introduce fear as if fear should be normal, as if fear is, is necessary, and everybody should be afraid. Some people are just, uh, I mean, they're just simply paralyzed, handicapped, and afraid because there's been a spirit of fear on their life. And it ought not be that you wake up every morning afraid. It ought not be that you go to bed every night worrying. It ought not be that you all throughout the day you're just scared and, and afraid and timid and anxiety and panic attacks. That ought not be the case. There is an enemy, you know that, right? There is an enemy that wants to go ahead and paralyze us in that way. But that ought not be the case because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so real quick, I want to talk about these in reverse, and I'll tell you why in a second. But he's given us the spirit of a sound mind. Somebody shout sound mind. That is a mind that is safe and secure and calm, a sound mind, self-discipline, self-control. It is a mind that is free from tormenting thoughts. It is a mind that is free from mental anguish. It is a mind that's free from uh, dissension of thoughts and combative words and a mind that is free from the debilitating words and images that keep attacking the way you think. And a sound mind is a mind that is calm, that is able to operate with wisdom. A sound mind is a relaxed mind. Now, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit is what was created in the image of God. It is what will last forever. It is who you are. 
You are a spirit. You have a soul which consists of your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinker, your chooser, your feeler. That is, that is all where your mind is consists of. And you live in this body, which could be any shape or size, any color, whatever the case may be. It's just an outer exterior frame. But the battle is for your mind. The everything is after your thought life. Everything, including God. Everything and everyone is after your thought life. And whether you want to believe this or not, T, your mind is the control center of your life. I know you want it to be your spirit, but it really is your mind. That's why the battle is after the mind. Because if you can get your mind to agree with your spirit, then your God can have dominion over your life. But, but, but the difference is everything is after it. Billboards are after it. Commercials are after it. Pookie's after your mind. Ray Ray's after it. Grandma, grandma, all these folks, they are after the way you think. And that's why Paul is telling Timothy, God has given you a sound mind. Now, here is what I want you to see. And I'll address this more later. But God has already given you a sound mind. You are not trying to get a sound mind. Okay, are you listening to me now? So he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he has given you power, love, and a sound mind. So you are not the broke, busted, and disgusting in the way you think, trying to get a calm, reserved, secure mind. No, you have a calm, secure mind. You have the mind of Christ, and the enemy is trying to throw his mess in your way you, that you think. So it is the opposite. You are resisting these evil thoughts. You are resisting thoughts like, well, your family not going to come home today. When you let them, when you send them to school, they're not going to make it home today. How many of you have had those thoughts? Be honest right there. Okay, only one, two, two or three honest folks. Okay, now everybody be honest. But you think, man, those thoughts come. Man, you send them to school. You say, nope, nope, I have a sound mind. And a sound mind says, by the word of God, that God will protect them. And Psalms 91 says the angels will encamp around them and guard them and keep them and keep them safe in the name of Jesus. That's what a sound mind does. Uh, uh, what's opposite of a sound mind is saying, I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, 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 I can't, I, I can't continue because my mind is telling me all these things are going to happen. And really what fear is, is uh, a distressing emotion caused by a unrealistic threat. No, let me say it the way. Hold on, hold on. I got to correct. My, I got to correct. I wrote this down. I heard this in my heart. Glory be to God. Y'all got time? Yes, well, we're going to lock the doors anyway. Glory to God. No. <laughs> Fear is a distressing emotion aroused by an imagined threat. There it is. It's aroused by an imagined threat. You came up with a threat and fear was connected to it. I remember um, my Zavin was young and um, he, he saw a cat and he ran, he ran away from the cat. He was scared. Of, he said he was scared of the cat. He was real young. I said, Zayvon, why are you scared? I don't know. That's got, the cat scared me. You know, he's, he's running around. I said, Zayvon, have, have you heard of a cat biting anybody? I've never heard of a cat biting anybody. You ever heard of a cat scratching anybody? He's never heard of that. You heard of a cat attacking somebody? Never. He's never heard of that. Why are you scared of the cat? An imagined threat. Imagined threat. But God didn't give us a undisturbed mind that's trying to get right. He gave us a mind that's right 
And we need to keep clear from everything else that's trying to come in. So it, it matters what you think about. It matters what you say. Stop saying, that's killing me. This cough is going to kill me today. I'm going to die. I keep coughing. It's going to kill me. Here's another one. I almost laughed to death. That kind of those words get in your mind. And they get, that's right, they get deposited on the inside of your heart. And then your body is going to do what your mouth tells it to do. The, the mouth is the command center for the body. So your, your body is listening. Your body's saying, what, what is the mouth going to say today? I'm about to, this cough's going to kill me. The body says, start breaking down. Start dying. Every time we keep coughing, we're going to start dying every time we cough. But if you say, you cough, <clears throat> by his stripes, I am healed. The body says, come on, we got to get healed. We got to get better. <clears throat> I'm getting better and better every single day. The body says, we got to get better and better every single day. Watch what's coming out your mouth. Because what's coming out of your mouth creates images. And those images get deposited inside of your mind. And now you're wondering why you have a mental instability. It started with words, whether spoken over you or spoken out of your own mouth, that created images. And now you're, you're crazy. I'm talking about believers. Now, the unsafe folks, they're crazy. That's why, they, that's why we got to lead them to the Lord. But I'm talking about believers. Believers. And so somebody shout sound mind. Yeah. Say, I have a sound mind. Have a sound Do you believe that? Yeah. So I'm going to go backwards. And then he says, I've given you a spirit of love. And so a spirit of love says you are loved as you are and not as you should be. You are loved because God has chosen to love you. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on your activity. It's not based on your righteous acts and good works. It's not based on any of that. It's based on a decision by God to share that he, through Christ Jesus, loves you unconditionally, without strings attached. And we're going to continue to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But he loves you. It's the gospel is this. You are more flawed and broken in and of yourself. And uh, then um, and you're more accepted and um, you are more beloved in Christ Jesus than you ever dared hope. I mean, this is the gospel. You're flawed and more flawed and more broken than you ever dared believe. But you're more accepted in Christ Jesus than you ever dared hope. And so he, he loves us. So we're not trying to get God to love us. God loves us and we are resisting. Are you listening to me? Everything else that tells us that we're not loved. We're resisting everything else that tells us that God is not for us. We have the spirit of love. But I really wanted to get to this first one when he says, I have given you power. Somebody shout power. Come on, shout it again. Say power. power. He's given us the spirit of power. So I began to look this word up a few months ago, and the Lord deposited something on the inside of me uh, on this airplane trip. I began to look it up, and it was this word can be defined as power for performing miracles. It can be defined as um, strength. It can be defined as, you know, just being very strong and uh, being very influential. And none of that was really sitting well with me, those definitions. 
Um, and so, you know, when those things don't sit well with you, what you do is you, you meditate. You say, Lord, I give it to you. There's something more to this than just simply mere power to perform miracles and being strong and that sort of thing. And, uh, and as I was on the, the plane, I heard this word in my heart, just got deposited in my heart. And uh, it was the word boldness. Somebody say boldness. God's given us a spirit of boldness. Uh, boldness means that you are daring. You are courage- courageous. You are confident. You're not hesitant. You are, you are going forward. Boldness means that I am not going to be timid. I'm not going to be a coward. God's not giving me a spirit of being a coward or timid. I've got a spirit of boldness on the inside of me. I've got a spirit that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. If God says in Psalms 91, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me, boldly speak that out of your mouth and know it can't come near me in the name of Jesus. If, if, if the, you see in scripture, in scripture, if you see where Jesus says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, you boldly speak that out. Nothing shall hurt me. Boldness, this word boldness stood out to me. And I begin to write some things down. And, and one of the things that we have said in the past, we have said, you know, I pray that God would give you a spirit of boldness. And nothing wrong with a prayer like that, but the real truth is you already have a spirit of boldness, but everything else has turned you into a coward. Well, I don't want to be rejected. And I, I, well, what if I say that and, and then something else happens? I remember talking to a man and um, he was very, very, very afraid of COVID. I mean, it wasn't wisdom. It was fear. Okay, he was very, very afraid, and and I, and he was talking to me. He's like, "Well, what does Scripture say?" I said, "Well, here's some of the things the Scripture." Says. He goes, "Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, well, uh, yeah." And I said, "What well, the Scripture say, man? I, man, that that thing is that thing can't come near me." Yeah, but, and that was his retaliation for everything. Yeah, but, I said, "Brother, you're gonna have to get bold." You're going to have to get some kind of resolve on the inside of you and say, you know what? I'm going to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. Right. I mean, if I'm in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, the right people, I'm in the perfect will of God. And the word is going to be working on my behalf. You got to get bold about this thing. And as I was looking at this word boldness, I started thinking about this word daring. That the word dare, the opposite of the word dare is to not take risks. But if you're going to be bold, you're going to have to take some risks. Matter of fact, faith is spelled. You and I know faith is spelled? R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K. Risk. Every time God asks anyone to do and look through the Gospels. Jesus asked anyone to do anything. It took a risk. In the natural, it was a, it was a risk. And I started to think about this boldness, how we have become really, really timid. We've become a real cowardly group of people. 
where, um, well, Pastor, the Lord's leading me to, to start this new business, and he's been leading me for the last 17 years. What's taking you so long to get going? Well, Pastor, the Lord's being, and I'm not picking on you, T, but you used this word the other day. The Lord's leading me to, to buy some equipment to do what he's called me to do, and what's taking so long? Well, the Lord wants me to get married, and I like this girl, really do, but... I, you know, I don't know if I should propose. What's taking so long? Well, I know, Pastor, the Lord wants me to go and apologize to that person. But, I, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to apologize because it might be an argument. Be bold, brother. Be bold, sister. And then he started, the Lord started getting on me in the airplane. <laughs> and said, when we first started, uh, you guys know some stories in my life. You, you, you get going. I remember moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. I was single at the time. Had my, my, my parents lived in Fort Worth, Texas. I lived right there with them. Um, the Lord started me off really, really slow. He asked, before he asked me to move to Charlotte, North Carolina, he asked me to uh, go to Atlanta, Georgia, and they had a singles conference. Creflo Dollar was having a singles conference, and the Lord told me to go by yourself. Now, I, I wasn't used to going anywhere by myself. I had a posse. We was always rolling deep anywhere we went. He said, go by yourself. And I thought, man, I bought a ticket. I got a hotel. I went to that conference by myself. I didn't meet anybody there, glory to God, because my wife was in Charlotte. She wasn't there. But I just went by myself. And I remember coming back thinking, well, Lord, I thought you would send me there to meet someone. And he didn't say nothing. It was simply be bold. Then a year later, he asked me to move to Charlotte, North Carolina by myself. Man, it was a big deal. I moved out here with no job, no, no promise of anything. I, I, don't, I got an apartment. And I still to the day don't know how I got into that apartment because I had no job. And I filled out and they let me in. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. And I ended up working, you guys know, at Panera, making $8 an hour. And my boss was like 17 years old, just yelling at me all the time. And... Um, I thought I didn't move to Charlotte for this, but it was a bold step. And you know my story, working at um, a bank, um, interviewing for a position, the first position. I interviewed for it. Don't know much about the, the position, but I remember a friend of mine said, you should go for this position. I went for it. Didn't know much about it. Got the job. Or they, the first time they told me I didn't get the job, but then they called me back and said they made a mistake. We should have hired you. All right, glory to God, got it. Got promoted, what, two times after that. The last position, you guys know my story. I didn't know, I didn't know half the questions they were asking me in the interview. I used to, can you rephrase that? Can you rephrase that? I didn't know, but I was just bold enough to go for it. I got that job, glory be to God. Left that job, you guys know the story. Um, make, made, before I left, I was making six figures. Then the Lord asked me to be bold enough to step out of ministry. I'm sorry, step out of the banking and go into ministry. Leave that job and go straight in, in, into the ministry. Well, we're taking a massive pay cut. I like making money. Me too. Who else like making money? I, I mean, come on. I like making money. That was a big deal. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. You need to line up in here. Get these line spirits out of here. And so I was like, Lord, I went to Stacy and I was, I was hoping that Stacy would say, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't agree with that, you know. Yeah, God, my wife does not, you know, we don't need to do this. No, Stacy's like, if that's what the Lord's saying, you better do it. And then the second thing she said was, can I still get my hair done? 
I said, we'll find a way. We'll find a way to still get your hair done. And so, look, bless God, we stepped out. God took care of us, and we we're bold. And then there's some other things we've been bold. But here recently, full disclosure, full transparency, I haven't been as bold. And on the airplane, the Lord said, you haven't been as bold as you were. Well, you know, because sometimes, you know, taking risks, you know, the other side could be, you know, pretty dangerous. You know, it may not work out. It may not you know, hey, we need to maintain. So you, most of us start out taking risks. Look at little kids jumping from bed to bed, diving. I mean, I mean, my kids be trying to get their toys when they were really young and ride them down the steps. It'd be so dangerous. Blood everywhere. Like, what were you doing? They were bold and daring. Bold. And then we got a little order, right? And we, now we call it wisdom. Well, I'm just doing a little wisdom. And God's saying, I want you to do this while I'm exercising wisdom, which is which. And let me say this to you. Fear can be disguised as wisdom. Oh, I'm in wisdom. No, no. You may be in fear. How do you know the difference? I mean, I heard somebody ask, well, how do you know the difference? The difference is wisdom is always backed by the word of God. If God says a word, then you can release your faith for the wisdom because the word of God is the wisdom of God and you can release your faith. But if God ain't said nothing, you're doing stuff on your own, especially if it's paralyzing or holding you back or causing you to not to do anything, then 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 you're dealing with a spirit of fear. The first time I moved out the house, so I moved out, I went to college, um, didn't finish uh, my, my graduate in college. You guys know that story, too. My parents pulled me out of college, which was the right decision because I was going down a wrong path. And they said, we're not supporting this anymore. I was mad for years about that, but it was the right decision. And I was mad. So I didn't. Uh, I, I ended up moving back with them. And another friend of mine was like, hey, let's go get an apartment. Well, here I am. I had a job. I was making good money. Man, I was I was too scared to go get the apartment. I don't know. Nah, something. I may lose my job. Okay, anybody may lose their job, right? Oh, I didn't want. Finally, my dad said, you can't stay here no more. <laughs> I'm glad he did that because he knew I was dealing with fear. He said, you can't stay here no more. So uh, when you're supposed to get that apartment, okay, you better have that apartment by, you know, then because you can't stay here. Well, he, he, he kicked me out the nest. But I flew. Amen. And when I was in the airplane, the Lord was talking to me about, Devon, I need you to get your boldness back. And uh, I, so I, 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 I came up with this confession. I am a bold, risk-taking leader. I'm a bold, risk-taking leader. Um, I, I, and the other part of it I wrote down was, well, shoot, why am I trying to remember? I wrote it down. The other part of it was, I am, no, here it is. I am a faith-filled, bold, risk-taking leader. I'll never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Glory to God. Say this out to me. I am a faith-filled, bold, risk-taking leader. Say it again. I'm a faith-filled, bold, risk-taking leader. I'll never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you need to write that down. You need to put it in the comments, too. You are a faith-filled, bold, risk-taking leader. You'll never insult God with small thinking or safe living. And that was the part on the airplane. The Lord said to me, he said, you are thinking too small. 
And, and here's what, here's what happens. And if you're like me, you, you're, you're no longer bold because if you don't think you can do it, you don't think God can do it. So if I don't think I can do it, so inadvertently you don't think God can do it either. Or if you think you can do it, then you think God can do it too. And so we think so small, limiting what God can do solely based upon what we can do. And we don't do this on purpose. It's, it creeps in. Well, and, and what happens is when you start thinking about different things. I remember one particular friend, full disclosure, this is, I'm being as transparent as I can. Um, he's like, what kind of car do you like? Now, this friend's a pretty, pretty wealthy friend. And I said, and everybody knows I like them Range Rovers, right? I like a Range Rover. I said, man, I like the Range Rover. And, and this is, this is, this is what I said on my mouth. But I can't see spending a hundred thousand dollars on a car. I said that on my mouth. And that sounds like wisdom. But what if God gave me a hundred thousand dollars and said, go get that car? And the man said to me, he said, but what if God wants you to have that car? And he gave you the money to get it. So he gave a little quiet in here. Well, pastor shouldn't be driving that kind of car. Mind your own business. Mind your own, because I would drive and I roll the window down and smile at y'all and wave as I drive right by. Wouldn't think twice about it. And then he told me the story. This particular friend owned an airplane and he followed it up with this. He said, you know, we, I have an airplane. He said, it takes a lot of money to maintain this airplane. He said, but I believe if I didn't have the airplane, we wouldn't have the money to maintain it. Think about that. Think about that. You think we're saving money. You probably wouldn't even have the money. Because money, money, oh, let me, I'll get into this for a few minutes. Money has to be allocated. There's purpose for money. Money, you find out what is the purpose for the money. And when you find out what the purpose for the money is, you allocate it there and the money will keep flowing. But when you no longer know the purpose of it, then you are now abusing money. Because you don't know the purpose for it, it becomes abusive. And then you fall in love with it and I got to hold on to it. I've got to hold on to it. I've got to hold on to it. Now, this man eventually got uh, eventually got rid of his airplane. He said, the Lord told him, OK, go, you know, get rid of it. He got rid of it. And the money, the money for it don't even come in anymore because it was solely set aside for that purpose. That's why you find out what is the purpose before you take on anything new. What is God purposing with this? And if he says purpose it that direction, you, you release the money. If you're like me. And I want to see who's being honest in here. I struggle with buyer's remorse. Anybody else struggle with buyer's remorse? Okay, I see hands up. I buy some and I say, let's go and take it right back. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, <laughs> no. And you know what helped me? What is, the, the purpose. Is this purpose for that? Yes. I remember that iMac that we're doing live stream right now. Paul is on there doing live stream right now. I remember we went. And that, that thing costs thousands of dollars to do it. All that equipment back there is thousands of dollars to go live and do it. I remember we went out and bought all the equipment and the devil said, take it all back because you may need that money. One day you just may need it. I said, oh, Lord, don't open it, guys. We might have to take it back. <laughs> Am I the only one here who feel this way? 
We might, we might need that money for something else. So don't open it. And, and the Lord got on me and said, no, that money was given for this purpose, to get the gospel out outside of these four walls. Hallelujah. You got to be bold about it. When you know you got a word from God, you got to be bold about that thing. You, the righteous are bold as a lion. You got to be bold. But here's the thing. We're waiting for a spirit of boldness to come on us. You already got it. It's the timidity, the cowardness that's, got, that's already on you that you got to strip off of you and say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak some bold words. I'm going to take some bold faith steps. I'm going to do something bold and believe that God's going to supply. Don't do it in and of yourself. Do it because God says do it. Now, this, th let me give you an example. This has to make sense to you. Let me give you an example because I've seen people do this. Well, I'm going to go out and I I'm going to write a $100,000 check, knowing you ain't got that kind of money in your bank account, and I'm going to give it to the church, and it's going to bounce, and you're going to jail. Well, I was believing God was going to fill the account with money. That's, that's ridiculous. Don't be dumb. Where, where did we go? T, T, T and I went to a spot of ministry, and, then, and the man of God, uh, he went with me, and the man of God said, now I want you to shout out what you believe in God for. And this man said, $8 million. I'm like, you, you, you better have $800,000 check that you're going to sow. You can't sow 80 cent and say, I'm believing God for $8 million. Man, the, the minister corrected him, said, brother, how much, is, how, much check, how much is in that check? Come on now. People want to get silly. I'm not talking about that kind of boldness. Here, let me give you an example. If I never told Carrie that I'm going to cut her grass, if I never said I'm going to cut her grass, and Carrie said, I just believe pastor going to come cut my grass. Hallelujah. I believe pastor is coming to cut the grass. Pastor is going to come cut my grass. She got to make herself believe that because I never told her that. And that's called make believe. She got to make herself believe something God never said, that pastor never said. And what most people do, I'm going to step out and do this. God never said it, and he has no way of fulfilling it because he never said it. But if he said it, if I said, Carrie, I'm coming to cut your grass, she can say, Pastor, I believe that I believe he's coming to cut it because he said he's going to cut the grass. There was a, no, good job. I ain't going to say that either. Not gonna say that. Not gonna say that. I need somebody to come cut my grass. Who volunteers come cut my grass? No, just playing. There was a one particular time we were we were um, we were at church and uh, a man. Uh, th there was a move of God. I don't want to get into the whole story, but essentially the man said to me that I'm going to sow twenty five hundred dollars in, into what we were doing. Um, I said, praise God. We didn't see that $2,500. Two years, we didn't see that $2,500. The Lord, I said, Lord, can I call him? The Lord said, don't call him. Don't call him. Just believe me that he said it by me. I didn't call him. We needed that $2,500 at that particular time. Didn't call him. Two years later, the man said, it was actually his son. His son said, did, did my dad ever send that $2,500? I mean, out of the blue, two years later, I said, no, he never did. He said, let me, let me check into something. Two days later, the check was in the mail. He, he overnighted it because he had forgot. And he said, that, that, what, what am I saying? Hold on to what God is saying. Yeah. 
If it take two years, 22 years, hold on to the word of God. But you be bold enough about it to step out it when you have a word from God. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.